There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There is no better group of pots of flower power than forms of the shrubby potentilla. Hello, I'm Peter Seabrook, here to exchange the latest news, views and a bit of timely advice on all things gardening. Later in the podcast, I'll be speaking to Molly Kreisman, a fine arts postgraduate who spent the last 10 months as a full-time gardener in the Floral Fantasia area at the Royal Horticultural Society Garden at Hyde Hall in Essex. Our thanks to Sutton's Seeds of Torquay, sponsors of this program. Now, of course, we're out of the studio these days, uh, and if you excuse me for a minute, uh, I'll just make myself a cup of coffee and we'll head up the garden into the polytunnel where it will be much more comfortable. We've had some... Uh, very cold nights uh, and the wind's been pretty fresh from the east and getting in under a bit of protection is uh, very welcome. Oh, actually, as I walk across the backyard, I can smell the uh, very foxy smell of Fritillaria, Fritillaria imperialis. It grows quite tall, just about two, two and a half feet. Uh, uh, and it has a very interesting flower, hangs down like a bell, and if you look up underneath, uh, just by the stigma, there are little teardrops. It's always said that uh, when Christ walked through the Garden of Gethsemane, the fritillarias hung their heads in shame, uh, and the teardrops are there still in the flower. Or oh, I must just stand... My pot of privet up. Golden privet makes a really nice container plant and uh, it needs potting on. I'm afraid in the wind it got blown over. You know, I've got several heaps too of wood ash scattered about under the fruit trees. I need to get that spread and forked in. You know, you never walk up the garden without seeing a whole host of things to do. Oh, here we are, the polytunnel. All the difference in temperature. Once I get in here, it's really nice and warm, and that earthy sort of smell. Ah, oh, yeah. Now we live in... Uh, pretty difficult times and the enforced isolation for a large part of the population and closure of garden centres, nurseries, indeed all garden retailers is having a dramatic effect 
take, for example, three brothers down in Hampshire who have 6,500 pot-grown lilies per week and no one to take them. They cannot hold them back and they'll have to be dumped. And it's absolutely critical at this time that gardeners can get to supplies. While we worry day to day about buying food and maintaining social contact, my concerns are very much for the future. When we get through uh, all of this, people are going to be very short of money and prices of food are likely to rise. We can hardly expect uh, vegetables, fruits and salads to uh, come as freely from Spain as uh, we've been used to. Those of us brought up in World War II didn't have much money uh, and make do and mend was a way of life. We all dug for victory. And I can see in the very near future uh, a great need to go back to some of those practices. If you take the simple potato, for example, at this time of year, if you went to peel tubers and they had... uh, some shoots, some sprouts, then you cut that sprout out with a bit of skin and a bit of flesh underneath it, just dried it for 24 hours, and then that eye could be potted up and grown to produce another plant and, of course, a new crop. The rest of the potato was peeled and cooked, and we didn't even waste the peelings. They were cooked to uh, feed the chickens. Uh, And that uh, smell of earthy potatoes boiling brings those times back to me in an instant. I mean, certainly uh, effort should be made now, I think, to grow some of our own food. And it's the perfect time to start. Turn out the drawers for... uh, any stored away packets of seed. At the time of uh, speaking, there's little point in going online with all the mail order seed companies uh, inundated with orders, and in many cases, their ordering lines closed. Uh, if you've got packets of seeds, particularly those that are wrapped in foil, they will hold their germination pretty well. And even when the packet is uh, open or the seed loose in a paper packet, then crops such as lettuce, all of the cabbages, uh, including Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, all those kinds of green vegetables, the seed will germinate reasonably up to six years old and should grow pretty well. You know, For those of you that uh, haven't done much of uh, home growing of vegetables and salads then start with a few lettuce seeds you know one packet will probably have two or three hundred seeds in Uh, be enough to keep you going for two or three years just uh, scatter a dozen or two of seed across a three and a half inch nine centimeter pot filled ideally with seed compost uh, or if you don't have any um, you you could use soil, it's more difficult to uh, keep the moisture at the right stage, but uh, just scatter those seeds thinly and just cover them very lightly. 
and in a warm room, within four or five days, you'll see them germinating, coming through, and then they need to be in a very light position. Within a month or six weeks, they'll be several inches high. You can tip them out of the pot, separate them, and then either plant them in the garden about nine inches to 12 inches apart, or they can go in raised beds and pots. You'll find it good fun and something you can do if uh, you're a family uh, with the kids. There's every chance that uh, they'll eat something that they've grown themselves. Uh, several years ago in the sun we offered free packets of carrot seed to grandparents to grow with their children and one subsequently wrote in the autumn to say what else could uh, they grow. Their grandchild apparently wouldn't eat any veg at all. And then together they sowed a pot or two of carrot seed. And when it came to thinning, pulled one or two out. The little girl, after washing the carrots, tasted them and quite liked them. And then every tea time would say, can we go out and pull another carrot? It just needs a bit of encouragement. Uh, and it's surprising what can be done at home. Now, my guest for interview today is Molly Kreisman. Molly studied fine arts at university and wasn't quite sure what to do, and then came to help her, her mum and uncle when we built a big display at BBC Gardeners World Live last June. She was persuaded to look after oh, thousands of uh, summer-flowering bedding plants at the Royal Horticultural Society Gardens at Hyde Hall. Well, I'm at the hilltop in Hyde Hall and I have with me Molly Christman. Now, Molly, two years or so ago, you would have been reading fine arts, is that correct? Yeah, I was at University of Oxford Brookes doing a fine art degree, getting up to all sorts of creative trouble, I think. <laughs> So what's involved, I mean, with fine arts? Is it um, drawing, painting, artistry? It was all of the above. Um, when I started, I looked for a course that had everything. Um, it was from art history, so learning the theory side, to doing everything practically. So it was drawing, painting, sculpture, woodwork, performance, everything you can think of. A long way, really, from gardening. It's, yeah, quite far off from gardening. Um, it's linked in some ways, I think, creatively, but no, I, I, I didn't know I was going to end up here, I don't think, starting a, an art degree. And so you've been here now for not quite a year? Near, almost a year, I think 11 months. Yeah, and quite honestly, I can see, I think, with the planting, particularly last summer, and to some extent with the stuff that's coming out now, um, the influence of uh, using colour. I mean, I like to see really <laughs> bold lumps of single colours and, and here you're putting the blues and lavenders together. <laughs> no, I, there's definitely an aspect of that. Um, the amount of time I actually spent looking into the colours and the, the different heights of the plants and it all kind of comes together like a picture itself. So, yeah, no, there's, there's definitely use for my art degree there. <laughs> 
Sam Molly, uh, it is a very different being in the university classroom, all protected <laughs> nice and warm, coming up here to the top of the hill, where the weather can be a bit ragged, can't just, it? Just a bit. It was um, a bit of a culture shock, I think. <laughs> uh, I've always kind of been an outside person and working in, um, in gardens, but no, this was full-time outside, rain or shine. <laughs> it, was, it was hard and fun at the same time. <laughs> And really the start was BBC Gardeners World Live last June when uh, we built those five pyramids and had yeah. <laughs> quite a lot of plants. Can you take us through that? Oh, where do I start? <laughs> um, yeah, so you explained the first bit. It started off at Gardeners World Live where we built four pyramids, um, smaller pyramids, and had a, a larger pyramid in the middle. We then got about two tonnes worth of plants that we had to dress the pyramids with. They were up for about a week where they all then got taken over to Hyde Hall where we quickly <laughs> got them off the trolleys and into the ground um, only to open, I think, like a week or two weeks later to the public. Uh, it was very fast. <laughs> <laughs> what an indoctrination to gardening. It hey? was. <laughs> yeah. One day a student, yep. the next day two 20-ton lorry loads of plants. It, it, was, um, it was a challenge. I'm happy I've done it. And it actually worked out, so... But no, that was definitely a kind of a wake-up call, I think. And the public absolutely loved it, didn't they? They did, they did. I think the, um, the bedding's not very much around at the moment, and that's just something that people love, just to come into a garden and see colour everywhere. And what were the big lessons, do you think? You know, if somebody else, young person, going to decorate their garden and buying plants uh, oh. in flower just as you had... <laughs> What were the lessons you learned? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I think the first and foremost would be to check where you're putting the plants and the soil prep. Um, a lot of people don't realise how much work actually goes into the garden before you put in your pretty plants. Um, and others, it was, I know, spacing. I, I've done some show gardens before, and to go from ramming plants in to look good for a week to then putting them into a garden where they're going to grow they have to be spaced out so i think that's definitely one thing to look for i mean with that begonia big they, they they were quite modest size when they went in they were they're so need to get bigger <laughs> um there were a couple of times we had to remove some plants and space them out and uh when you have about two tons worth of plants it's quite hard to then find space for them in a I guess a moderate-sized garden. And, and then, really, the autumn was quite mild. It went on, didn't it? It did. Um, it's a bit surprising. I, I, I've never worked in a garden before, so I'm not used to any other kind at the moment. But, uh, no, yeah, I mean, the garden just kept on going and going and going, and uh, we made the decision to keep it open. And so much so that uh, it was worth planting with winter and spring stuff. I mean, yes. as, as I stand here now, yes. <laughs> the air is absolutely scented. <laughs> yes, we made the decision. And at the moment, I mean, we haven't really had a winter. So I would say it just went straight from autumn to spring. But uh, the garden stayed open. And I, I'm currently around us are just bright daffodils and tulips and primulas everywhere scented. And it's a big hit. The, God, um, the public love it to come in and see a garden like this at this time of year. And one or two of the plants that uh, really uh, suited your purposes here or that you like, can you describe what you've got? Oh, 
God, that's a question. That's quite a few. Um, but I mean, the Primrose Everlast, for the example. Primrose Everlast is amazing. Um, I, I can't remember if we put it in. I think November time we put them in, yeah. and they've just continuously now in March just flowered and they've looked amazing. They haven't had a, a bad spell yet. That could be thanks to our weather, but. Yeah. And we were a bit worried about the polyanthus crescendo, weren't we? Yes, just uh, just a tad. Um, I think that could have been due to the wind we've had up here. But no, I mean, at the moment, they look amazing. They've come back spectacular. So. And we planted a lot of those bulbs. There was, I think, a tonne and a half. <laughs> um, quite late. Very I was late. a bit uneasy about those, but yes. they've come through magnificently. I'm actually shocked. I, I honestly thought we'd put in all that work and then come this time of year, we'd have nothing in the garden to show for it. But no, they've all they've all come up. They're all looking amazing. Um, and I don't think there's one that we haven't really not had a good show from as of yet. So I noticed that you've just taken the Enviromesh off the sweet peas. Now, what's the story there? <laughs> Well, that was more, um, I was guessing <laughs> with that, but some of them were growing a bit tall and the mesh wasn't up enough and it was kind of squishing them. And I thought, well, others aren't coming up and the mesh is down on the floor. Maybe they need somewhere to breathe and we're not going to really have a frost now. No, so I you, thought, you did just the right thing. <laughs> but I mean, we sowed those in the, uh, direct into the soil. Yep. I think it was sort of um, mid-October time. Yes. Um, which is the standard treatment for sweet peas. And last year, the sweet peas were quite popular, weren't they? They were very popular. Um, that was definitely a crowd-pleaser. I think everyone, we put them right by the entr entrance, and every time someone walked in, they'd get a waft of the sweet peas and they'd reminisce about their grandparents most of the time and how they used to grow sweet peas. So, yeah, we bring that back this year. <laughs> yeah. So being a gardener has not been uh, a disappointment to you? No, no, it's been very, very delightful, actually. Um, I'm so glad I've had this experience because it's just, I'm definitely made up of where I'm going now and it's definitely in horticulture. Thanks for all you're doing, Molly. Yes, great to chat and work with you. Yeah, thank you. Our thanks to Sutton Seeds of Torquay, sponsors of this program. And of course, to my producer, Rich Jarman. Look forward to bringing more news next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.